When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back Thursday edition, live across the network and live from 6th and Peabody with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. With Chad Withrow, Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, the entire crew, the cast from Outkick making it happen, including David Reed, the chairman of the board. Gentlemen, a big show today. It always, it's always big, but... Jam-packed. Trey Wallace will join us in 20 minutes from OutKick. Uh, all of the SEC coverage will preview the upcoming SEC weekend, including Tennessee and Kentucky, uh, including Alabama LSU, which is where we'll be for OutKick the tailgate this weekend. Armando Salguero in uh, hour number two, plus Sean Weatherspoon, a former NFL linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons, will be with us as well. Um, Julio Jones, Adrian Peterson discussion in hour number three is... Uh, AP makes his debut for the Titans on Sunday Night Football. What's up, guys? Thursday's the new Friday, so I'm treating today like a weekend as we get ready for football, and uh, I'm excited to talk about all the football this weekend. That was confusing. Thursday's the new Friday, and your weekend now starts on On, on Thursday. Well, yeah. <laughs> the ceiling is the floor. You're really? Yeah, right? the, floor is, it's, uh, the floor is the no, ceiling. The ceiling, the ceiling is the roof. The, floor. <laughs> the ceiling is the <laughs> roof, right. and the roof is You're the floor. All over the place. And Thursday is Friday, and Friday is Saturday, and the weekend starts right now. I like Thursdays here um, at 6th and Peabody because the the – City begins its weekend. A little cycle. hustle and bustle. Yes, yeah. there are people on the street in front of us. Uh, the brewery and the distillery. Bachelorette parties, boarding party buses right in front up. of yeah, us. They're the all twelve us here. bachelorette parties of the weekend start to kick <laughs> off, and uh, and we feed off of some of that buzz and that energy. That's definitely a buzz and energy, and not we're not. It's not just the buzz around this. It's the cumulative buzzes of the bachelorette parties of the alcohol buzzes that they have as they board think, party buses. I, I across would propose from that we, um, instead of locking our door, begin to open <laughs> it and just let these parade right through and see how they would negotiate the cameras. Would they walk? There's an aisle oh, here they would walk right behind the cameras and there's an aisle in front we of know the how cameras that would go. and we would just let it go how it goes. You boys, you're you're going to let it do what it do, baby. <laughs> I like that. Just let it be. You know those days where just nothing seems to fit, like work right? Like I'm having one of these where I can't like get the Sleeves are roll. Wrong. It's wrong. Like this mic is wrong. Like everything Hair looks good. feels wrong. Thank you, Paul. But everything, just nothing feels right. I feel completely out of place. I'm not comfortable in my own skin. get some moonshine? This shirt will not roll up properly. Uh, I feel like I'm going to be fidgeting with this microphone all day. It's drooping down. Nothing feels right, which is shocking to say two days after my Atlanta Braves won a world yeah, title you should still that I show heaven. up today and nothing feels right. Have they planned the parade there yet? Yeah, you, tomorrow. Where? Uh, Georgia World Congress Center. I just made that up. Uh, that's yeah. like the center point of everything in Atlanta. 
I feel like I read that somewhere. It's a very so the Georgia World Congress Center. Yes, <laughs> right next to the Congress uh, Center. It's going to be They'll on one of by the, CNN. Uh, uh, here's the new. It's going to be on one of the peach trees in yeah. Atlanta. One okay. of the maybe Peachtree Industrial is where it's going to go the down. Boulevard. Who knows? I'll look it up right now. Flying high on Peachtree I'm, Street. I'm opposite shirt-wise. I'm very comfortable in a new. I, I I like shirts that give me permission. This is a new Untuck It shirt that tells me by its very name I'm allowed not to tuck it in. If I click on, this is going to go right in line with nothing working. Paul has permission not to tuck this shirt. Permission not to tuck this shirt in. I don't have to violate any rules when I choose not to tuck this shirt in. Now, if I tucked it in, I might be in big trouble. He overpaid for that permission. Come in. It's it's like it actually was on a reasonable. It's like TSA pre-check. You you do it so you can skip the line. You you pay for the untuck it brand so you don't have to tuck it. Both worth it. But this this was on sale. This was on sale. You guys are going to love this. I had too many plaids. I needed some solid. You guys are going to love this please we got to get back to the parade <laughs> and you're gonna what love time this because, is the because you're a fan of both this show and the howard stern show and the which parade the parade prank this call. is a story from 11 alive in atlanta and i kid you not it says many questions about the parade first thing <laughs> when, is, when is, is the parade, parade? <laughs> well the world series parade is friday november 5th at 12 p.m what is the route of the parade <laughs> These are all questions on it. Just keeps going down. Maybe they're a fan of this prank call. That this we is directly do. from this story. What is the route of parade? There was a lot of questions about if the parade would be held in Atlanta or in Cobb County. The answer, both. Oh, thank God. The parade route will begin in Atlanta at the corner of Marietta Street Northwest and Peachtree Street. Nailed and travel it. north to Peachtree and Tent Street. The parade will then travel toward Cobb County on Cobb Parkway beginning at the corner of Riverwood Parkway and culminating at Circle 75 Parkway. This is a relief. It's parkways and like boulevards, yeah. roads, and streets. So post-parade, so basically they're starting in downtown Atlanta. I can show you guys Are we right concerned here. the starting route might be a little Atlanta, Going north to Marietta, ending at Truist Park. They're going to have a post-parade <laughs> celebration like the Sherman and concert. Oh, who's playing? That's what I'm looking for. Oh. Are we concerned this might be a little long? How about this for a concert? It is, it is ATL, after all. Ludacris and Big Boy from Outcast performing the concert. I'm just concerned the route might be a little long, thinning out the, the, the crowd. You want to pack it in, not have it be a 12-mile parade. Well, it's, it's not going to be packed in. There's going to be spots where it's going to be very bare, but I'm sure the beginning I'll and be the getting end snapshots of, those. of the parade will, be, uh, will have a lot of people. Is this the earliest, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, is this the earliest Ludacris or Big Boys ever <laughs> appeared on stage? Oh, no. But They'll just be remember, waking up. Big Boy, MTSU? Big Boy once played like three songs Fulfilled at MTSU. Fulfilled his obligation. Uh, but wasn't that, a night, wasn't that a night game? No, it was an afternoon game that they wanted people to stay at like past 6 o'clock. If you, if you purchased a ticket to the MTSU Blue Raider football game, you got to see Outkast, but it was... It was just Big Boy. And you didn't have Andre weather? 3000. Andre 3000 is the main act in Outkast. I mean, that's just... you. He, half the time the you're just listening to Andre on a tape while uh, Big Boy, you know, does his thing. But was this the weather issue? That the, he only, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was lightning. A couple songs fulfilled his obligation. Lightning in the area, and they just they uh, he 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 was a hundred percent paid. Gary, I think he made eighty grand or something like that. Reed Reed was there for this. Um, but eighty thousand so dollars. Did he disregard for about three and a half the lightning songs. up until he played his songs, and then he was like, "I got to get out of here." There's lightning. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there was le- very, very there, it was a legitimate storm that yeah. night. But it wasn't legitimate enough for him not to play the minimal. Yeah, he was paid to show, you know? Well, that was the second earliest that Big Boys there ever was taken no, the stage. This will be the first. There was no rescheduling. No rescheduling that night for it's him. It's a 4.30 p.m. start time for that concert. Uh, tonight, Thursday night football, Jets and Colts. 
I've got a bet on this game that everyone must play. Let's hear it. I just uh, the Colts. I just watched them last week. They they don't play very quick. <laughs> they don't play very quickly. So you're going with the under? No, I'm going with Mike White under 35 and a half pass attempts. Okay. Tannehill had 33 pass attempts. The Titans ran 68 plays. I just don't see Mike White. Listen, a guy has a breakout game like that. This is fantasy land. We had a bunch of them last weekend. This is not going to be sustained. Mike White, Colts defense is reasonably good. He is not going to come out and do what he did last week, and he's not throwing 36 passes. The Colts defense is only allowed 23 points per game. Yeah. On average. It's a fine defense. Um, He's not throwing 36 passes against this. The thing about Mike White, though, so a question to ponder. If he plays well again tonight on Thursday night football, what do you do when Zach Wilson's ready to come back? You don't let him. Well, the fan I mean, it's all about development this year anyways for the Jets. So that's that's, it's a good question. Fan base. Mike White, who threw for over 400 yards last week. They were chanting his name. Not like he threw for 178 yards and they won by a last second field goal in a messy game. I mean, he, he played well. And if they win tonight two in a row with the Jets, consider Zach Wilson failed to throw a touchdown in four of his six starts. Turns out one of those, his best games against the Tennessee Titans. Um, when he was electric on the move. And yeah, and Mike White's best game was against the Cincinnati Bengals. So if he plays well again and you stack, you stack good performances, I realize you're go, you, they have the number two overall pick and the political aspect of that within the locker room and within the building is a factor here. What's Wilson's injury? Uh, what's knee, it? maybe? Did he tweak a knee or an ankle or something? I, I would just play it like this. I, I don't think they will, but this is how I'd play it. Hey, we're going well with Mike White, and Zach could use a little extra time, so we're just going to roll with it for now. Yeah, Basically you just, saying, you play it out. once White comes back to earth, uh, Wilson's knee will be that much better or whatever the injury is, and we'll switch it back. But for right now, it's going well, so there's no reason for us to hurt to, to change it back. The Colts already have nine fumble recoveries on the season. And, and second only to Carolina. And fumble recoveries, uh, recoveries, yeah, yeah, are, are random. That's not like a skill recovering fumbles. The ball bounces randomly towards well, a it, random guy, right? It's a so skill to force fumbles. Yeah, but skill to, actually, to force them, but yeah, recovering them is not yeah. a skill. And that's through nine recoveries through eight games. That's a very uh, high number. I mean, they regress to the mean in this category, and they're not a very good football team, generally speaking. And that's something going heavily in their favor. I think you'd like something more solid being in your face. Well, and that's also that, – that counts – of course, it counts special teams, but the Colts are very good at forcing turnovers on special teams. So watch that tonight against the Jets. And just watch for Jonathan Taylor, who now has a chance to be the NFL rushing leader. He was player of the month. Henry out. He was offensive player of the month, which surprised me a bit. And I don't pay a lot of attention to those awards. Byard got uh, – Kevin Byard of the Titans got defensive player of the month, which is nice. But I was surprised at Jonathan Taylor with all the offense in the league that it was Jonathan Taylor, of all people. That's we impressive. Some, we got some breaking news, guys. Um, this is uh, both uh, local where we are here in Nashville, but a national story also. Uh, Tennessee is done with their investigation in coordination with the NCAA, and they are not imposing a bowl ban. And this is a story from VolQuest. Brent Hubs and Austin Price, who you will hear with us tomorrow on the VolQuest Power Hour, broke this story. After nearly a year of work and right at $1 million in expenses, VolQuest has learned that Tennessee's invest investigation into NCAA violations 
under former head coach Jeremy Pruitt is over. As a result of the investigation's findings and based on the belief of protecting innocent current ball players, Tennessee is not going to self-impose a postseason bowl ban. That is clearly the headline here. Tennessee feels strongly that the players involved in the alleged violations have transferred elsewhere and many will be in postseason play themselves. For the current players and recruits, putting to bed speculation on a possible bowl ban is a step forward from the cloud surrounding the program for the last year. Of course, the Vols must win two of their final four games to be bowl eligible. The university will, however, self-impose other penalties based on the nature of the violations. While the specifics of those penalties aren't clear, expect for them to be appropriate to the violations. Looking at previous case precedents involving recruiting, where the Tennessee violations occurred, those self-imposed penalties are expected to fall within the scope of recruiting itself. Those will likely include a reduction in scholarships over a period of time, a reduction in official visits, and possibly recruiting travel restrictions, and maybe others. Now, this comes on the heels of a very controversial decision by the NCAA to uphold a postseason ban for Oklahoma State basketball. And that comes after they fired Lamont Evans, who was the assistant coach that was essentially being paid to sway players to a certain representation while he was at Oklahoma State. They found $300 that was given to one player that is no longer with the university, and the the assistant coach was fired, and they upheld a postseason ban, which is ridiculous, by the NCAA. This is all that was the first NCAA penalty based off the FBI investigation into college basketball. Different here in that Tennessee from the beginning alerted the NCAA and they were with them throughout. I would expect that to mean, and we'll ask Austin and Brent, who again broke this story, we'll ask them tomorrow. I would assume that means the NCAA is on board with whatever Tennessee is doing with this. But it still has to be official word back from the NCAA that your self-imposed penalties well, are enough. Right. Check. This story goes on to say um, that it's not received the notice of allegations. The case isn't scheduled. And in fact, don't even know what the infractions committee currently looks like at the NCAA. But the, the, the bottom line with it is this is an investigation that has included the NCAA from the very beginning. And so you they're would think that they're not doing anything without this being stand. on the on the table in Indianapolis as well. Uh, great reporting here by VolQuest. Yeah, Again, really Brent good. Hubs and Austin Price join us weekly uh, here on Fridays at 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern. Uh, they'll have the very latest. And it's also good timing with our next guest, <laughs> with this story coming out, that we can talk to him about it. That's right. Trey Wallace will join us from OutKick, SEC uh, columnist and writer, uh, Trey Wallace will touch on this. We will also preview the upcoming SEC weekend on Outkick 360. Tennessee wrapping up its investigation with the NCAA investigation about the program. That coming from VolQuest. And uh, Austin Price of VolQuest.com will join us today. That's coming up at 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern. Uh, ahead of tomorrow's visit with uh, Brent Hubs. Looking forward to that. Armando Salguero of Outkick.com joins us today at 320 Central. And right now on Outkick 360, we say hello to Trey Wallace of Outkick.com, SEC writer and columnist. Uh, does great work for the site there. Uh, and you can follow him on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore. Trey, hope you're doing well, man. 
Guys, uh, busy afternoon, but hope you uh, hope you all are doing well at, uh, at Peabody. Say, same here. Uh, your, your thoughts on the investigation that would never end actually looking like it's coming to a conclusion. Yeah, I kind of figured this was coming down here in the next couple of days. I've uh, been doing a little digging on this. Ten of the attorneys that were representing Tennessee actually stopped billing uh, the university on a monthly basis on an um uh, invoices that the university would get every month. They actually stopped that. It's now quarterly billing uh, that the attorney, the law firm is going to be uh, giving to the university. Uh, so the next bill will probably come in December, just keeping up intact on what things are going on if anything does arise. But the investigation part of this is, is over and done with. Uh, it has been done with now for about a week, uh, according to people that I've spoken with. Um, and Tennessee has already actually self-imposed some penalties to try to get ahead of the uh, potential NCAA punishment that will come down, actually. Trey, I know that the NCAA can be very unpredictable with these things, but is it safe to assume that the NCAA is on board with no postseason ban and whatever Tennessee is self-imposing, considering the fact that they rode shotgun the entire time throughout this investigation? Absolutely. I mean, the fact that, that Tennessee has been in constant contact uh, with the NCAA, the lawyers, uh, Michael Glazer has been in constant contact uh, with with the university and the NCAA during this. Um, and, and also the fact, you know, it doesn't it wouldn't surprise me one bit if the NCAA um, and I'm sure they did knew about the recruiting restrictions Tennessee put on themselves to start the season um, that we are talking about now. Tennessee actually. Uh, held back from hosting any kind of recruits um, during the Bowling Green game. Uh, that was going to be uh, in conjunction with trying to impose a penalty, pretty much, that would make look good to the NCAA and to what uh, Tennessee was going to be doing down the line. So they've actually already started this process. Um, something has been, hasn't been reported is, is what they've done to try to mitigate future punishment. And that's already began. Josh Heupel's tried to stay ahead of this. That's why you saw uh, recruiting restrictions put on the first few weekends of the, 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 the Tennessee season. And, and so, Trey, you're saying that there, there were some recruiting visit limitations the first few weeks of the season to get out ahead of this. Uh, are, are there any other scholarship reductions that they're looking at? Is this class maybe going to be a little bit smaller for that reason? Has some of this year in recruiting been to get out in front of it? Do you expect further penalties moving forward? Uh, Josh Heupel has been very adamant that, that he's going to sign his class, um, sign a full class if he has to. Um, I think to get back to that, that first question about, you know, the recruiting part of it, um, you know, there, there were no, visitors, whatnot, anything for that Bowling Green game. And that was set up from the university. Um, that was agreed upon between the football program that, hey, we were we were not going to recruit this weekend at all, uh, did not host any kind of official visitors, unofficial, however you want to put it. Uh, that's why the stands were empty uh, behind the end zone. So, um, and, and you saw that a couple times this year, Tennessee trying to get out ahead when it comes to something that could say, hey, look, NCAA, We've already done this that kind of hurts us uh, when it comes to recruiting, so let's go ahead and tack this on to maybe whatever punishment you guys potentially might look at us in two to three years, whenever that might be. But Tennessee is pretty much saying, hey, we've already done some of this. Let's, let's take it easy on what you guys are going to throw at us if you want to. 
you say two to three years, I I hope you're joking. No notice of allegations here. Is it is it a mere no. formality at once once it comes now? Like what's it take for this actually to get closed still? I, I think it's more or less of, of Tennessee and, and the, their investigators have closed their part of it. Now they just put it in front of the NCAA. And, and honestly, Paul, we, we don't know how long just wait. that's going to take. We, we've seen cases go on for a while. I mean, you look at the mess that went down in, in Stillwater yesterday. I'm not saying it's going to take that long because Tennessee has been working with the NCAA. Tennessee's already done a few things to mitigate potential penalties down the road. Um, so when you look at that standpoint, I don't, I don't think it's going to take that long to get word back um, from the, uh, the NCAA in Indianapolis. But Tennessee concluded their part of it. They felt that, and we can get into it here in just a minute, but they felt like that they put out enough information and gathered enough information that they were not going to hurt this current team. They were never going to you know, give a bowl ban to this current team, period. They had worked too hard. Uh, they weren't going to spurn that on them, you know, in, in, at the end of November and say, hey, by the way, we're going to give you a bowl ban this year. We have to self-impose this. Tennessee has done things the right way, like I said, getting back to the recruiting stuff, to kind of lay it out there. And if the NCAA comes back and says, hey, you know, you guys need to do this, 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 that's something Tennessee will go down. But right now, uh, they're they're pretty content with what they're doing and um, and, and talking with multiple folks over the course of this investigation, Paul, a lot of this ties into players that are not at Tennessee anymore, and there's a reason why they are not at Tennessee. Well, and speaking of recruiting, right now Tennessee ranks only ahead of Vanderbilt in this recruiting class, 13th out of 14 in the SEC, and most would point to an NCAA cloud with this investigation, negative recruiting by other teams against Tennessee because of what might happen. Do you think this frees Tennessee up a bit, uh, Trey, in terms of what they can tell recruits that, look, it's not going to be some bowl ban. It's not going to be all these devastating uh, penalties that you've been hearing from other coaches. This is what it's going to be. Do you think that this could help in that regard? Yeah, I mean, Chad, I, I think it helps for right now. I mean, you nobody – I don't know if, if Tennessee can say, hey, look, we know for a fact the NCAA is not going to penalize us when it comes to a bowl game in like two years. I don't know if you can say that. But right now, Tennessee is under their impression, hey, look, we're not self-imposing anything. You know, we're we're not going to put a bowl game ban out there. Uh, you're fine to come here, um, you know, pretty much, hey, screw off to the rest of the schools that have been throwing this at us. This, as a university, this is how we are standing on this matter. And again, I go back to, okay, well, whenever the NCAA gets around to it, do they agree to the same thing? I think they would because they've been involved in this investigation from day one. They were involved in the interviews. They were involved with the player interviews that went down and the ones that were still going on two or three months ago. So I, I just feel like if, if Tennessee and the people I've spoken with have this much gall saying that, hey, we're laying it down, this is what we're doing and not doing, I think think they've probably gotten a little bit of hint from the NCAA that that's okay. Trey Wallace of OutKick, our guest here on OutKick 360. Trey, let's get to uh, some of the action this weekend, and let's just piggyback off of the Tennessee discussion as they take on Kentucky in Lexington. What would a win mean for the Vols versus a loss? And aside from just the win-loss column, when we look forward here, 
it, does this is this as significant as say beating Ole Miss would have been? I think that would have been a little bit different if if Kentucky would have beaten Mississippi State last weekend. Um, I, I you know if they'd have been a top ten team, which they would have been if you looked at the way the AP poll played out this week with a bunch of teams going down. Uh, but I still think this this would be a big win for Tennessee. I, I think this is something where they go on the road, you get to that five and four mark, you beat a ranked team i don't care who it is you beat a ranked team on the road um that gives you a little juice and, and you get to do it on one of the espn whatever networks primetime networks I, I i do think it's a big to do and i think it's a big to do coming off what you see this weekend what you saw today when it comes to recruiting and and tennessee has got to make up some ground when it comes to that and, and i think the fact that they can go in there and and stop this Kentucky offense, to be honest with you, Jonathan, just hasn't looked good mm-hmm. recently. And if they don't have Chris Rodriguez running the ball or Cavasse smoke, you know, they, they seem to have a problem trying to spread the ball out. So for Tennessee's standpoint, this would be a pretty darn big win because we know what's coming next week with Georgia, but they can get to seven wins if they beat South Alabama and Vanderbilt. That's why I think this weekend is just so important. By the way, this was a surprise to me. We'll get to this in a couple of weeks, but South Alabama's quarterback is Jake Bentley, who beat Tennessee with South Carolina as a 17-year-old freshman in 2016 in that shocking upset Back for win. More. And that that's uh, so maybe a chance at payback uh, for Tennessee against Jake Bentley now that he's South Alabama's quarterback. Chad, that's my South Alabama Jaguars, man. Yeah, that's that my school. Blew me away. I, I just saw that this week, Trey, and it blew me away to to see that. Also blew me away to see that Kentucky has not won consecutive games in this series since 1976 and 77. Good year. Looking at this from Kentucky's standpoint, Trey, um, it's important for them, too. This is Josh Heupel in year one. This is Mark Stoops, fully formed Mark Stoops, all-time great Kentucky season, possibly up until last week. And if Josh Heupel wins in year one, that is not a good look on Kentucky if they if Tennessee goes to Lexington and win this. You talked about the recruiting aspect of it, but I want to look at this from Kentucky's perspective where they see a chance to win consecutive games against Tennessee, which, as I just mentioned, has not happened very much in this series. Well, no, it, it hasn't happened, and you, and you look back to previous performances. Look, I, I understand the Georgia loss, whatever. I get it. Nobody was going to beat Georgia, and they're not going to beat Georgia, I don't think, this season. But the way that you played against Mississippi State and, and, and how you looked just dead. By the fourth quarter, this team looked gassed, just completely gassed. So you you take into instance what Kentucky is doing right now. And, and honestly, you know, all the talk about, you know, okay, we lost the game and it woke us up. Like, you know, you were coming off a bye and you should have been motivated to go to Mississippi State and win for the first time since 2008 and break Mark Stoops' streak of having not won in Starkville, you know, in the last four tries, now five tries. So, you know, I look at Kentucky and I'm not buying that motivation factor that, okay, just because we lost, now we're going to be more excited that Tennessee's coming to town. Kentucky's in a situation right now where if you look at it, the way that their season started to where that we're sitting right now, they need a win like this because they can't get down that road where they drop, you know, one or two more games and in that great start of, you know, six and zero on the season, all of a sudden goes down to the drain the back half of the year. Like Stoops, you know, 
he can't afford that. Like he can afford that job wise, but you just can't afford the way that looks because they started off so well and then just to dwindle down. I don't think that that is good uh, for the football program, for the university, you know, and also we're in this last month of recruiting too. You don't want to make it look like we're taking a little bit of a slide here at the end as the season comes to a conclusion. So Kentucky needs this win just as much as Tennessee does. And 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 that's a big factor going into this game on Saturday night. How, how is Kentucky's D that gassed against Mississippi State late? And that's not going to be a problem that's cured in a week against high-paced Tennessee. Paul, I agree with you 100%. I mean, looking at that game on Saturday night and watching them play, um, they, they, they were hanging hips by the early fourth quarter. And it was surprising to me because of the way Mississippi State runs their offense. It's, it's not like they run the ball a lot. You know, it's, it's more of air raid. I mean, Will Rogers threw the ball 39 times for Mississippi State, completed 36 of them. Like, I, I, would, I would understand it if you had a team that was running the football down your throat and you're just getting worn out on the defensive line. But to be honest with you, it's not like Mike Leach is a fast-paced type of guy. He's just a huddle up, line up, throw it down the field, and try to get open. So it was concerning for a Kentucky standpoint that they would come out and be that gas like they were uh, in that late third quarter, fourth quarter type scenario. So uh, that, one's, that one's interesting to me because you're about to face a team on Saturday It's going to be running a play every five to six seconds. So if, if you're feeling that way in Starkville, I got bad news for you when Tennessee comes to town Saturday night. Trey Wallace of Outkick, our guest. Trey, switching gears and headed down to Gainesville. Is Dan Mullen, is he feeling heat? And if so, why is it? it, 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 it let me rephrase that. If he's not feeling heat, why is he acting as though he's feeling the pressure, especially given the way they have set up their schedule to finish the season? If he just plays it cool, they're, they should be eight and four. I mean, I'm, they play South Carolina this week. Uh, they, they've got you know a, a, a puff piece coming up uh, with, with one of their opponents. They finished against Florida State. I mean, I'm looking at their schedule. They sh- they have winnable games, and he's acting like he's on the hot seat there. Yeah, it it it's he's kind of resonating to the former Dan Mullen that we saw in Starkville that would get very agitated and up in his emotions over the small things. And, and I'm not saying. A bad loss to Georgia is a small thing, but what I am saying, you know, when when somebody's asking you about recruiting or somebody's asking you about consistency in the locker room or leadership, and you just give these short answers and you get, you know, this temper that comes out in the only Dan Mullen way, you know, like he gets on the Wednesday teleconference, Jonathan, and he goes, you know, uh, he wants to give a three-minute statement on how, oh, I'm sorry, that stuff I said Monday – this is what I really meant. Like we know what you really meant. Like we we know that you're recruiting, but it's the fact that you don't want to showcase your program during a media opportunity. You know, that's that's some of the small things to me. Like these coaches, no, they get twice during the week to showcase their university and to talk about recruiting or talk about the leadership inside of the program, but he just kind of shut that down. I think you're starting to see a damn Mullen that's feeling a little bit of pressure here. And and I think he also understands that he's going to have to make some moves in the offseason on this staff that he's not going to like because he's friends with a lot of them. But if he wants to survive in Gainesville and be the head coach in two years, he's got to make these moves. And that, if, if that's along the offensive line, if that's defensive coordinator Todd Grantham, then you have to do it. But, you know, snarky Dan is what we've always seen, but he's taking it up a level in in the last couple days. 
and it doesn't look good on the program itself. And then, you know, all of a sudden you want to get rid of player availabilities because they need to focus. Like, what, what the hell were you doing for the last eight weeks? Like, why all of a sudden is that wrong now? Why didn't you cancel player availabilities after getting destroyed by Kentucky? So there's a lot of stuff going on inside that program right now. And I don't think Dan Mullen is handling it the right way, and he's getting blasted for it like he should. Bo Nix is handling that offense at Auburn the right way, and that's opened up things for Tank Bigsby uh, and what they did against Ole Miss in the run game. Auburn takes on Texas A&M this week. And, Trey, as I as I peek forward, I, I'm trying to imagine what the Iron Bowl could mean uh, at the end of this month. Are you doing the same? I am doing the same. If Bo Nix can go to College Station and Tank Bigsby and they can put something together this weekend against A&M, that Iron Bowl is looking pretty uh, in yeah, about three weeks. Um, so I, I, I look at the look. We know what we know what Texas A&M is going to try to do against Auburn. Going to try to beat them deep. Going to try to stuff the run game with, with you know and Tank Bigsby. But I look at what Auburn can do with their defensive line and what they can do to put pressure on Calzada in the backfield. You know, trying to pass the football around. I think this Auburn team is is, is pretty darn good. And and I think Bo Nix is a type of quarterback that you know we've seen it can get outside the pocket, scramble, make plays with his feet find receivers open down the field. I think that's very big for what Auburn tries to do, especially when they run that play action that you saw so much this past weekend against Ole Miss. So I really like what Bo Nix brings to the Auburn football team. And it's good that Tank Bigsby's kind of finally woken up. He's kind of healthy a little bit now. So that gives them that great chance this weekend in College Station. I, I couldn't agree with you more. They win Saturday, which I think they're actually going to win on Saturday. That sets up a huge game in three weeks, that Iron Bowl, which, by the way, if folks forgotten, everybody thinks Alabama's just number two in the country and they're all the way already in Atlanta. Nuh-uh. That Iron Bowl could be for the SEC West title and who plays Georgia uh, in, the, uh, in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. So much like Tennessee, Kentucky, I think, can take it from a good season to a great season based on expectations – for either one of those teams if they win. The same can be said about Mississippi State at Arkansas this week. I don't think either team's going to have a bad season at this point based on what they've already done, but this is the type of win that could propel the winner to a great season, possibly, based on the expectations for those programs. It's a close line in this one, Trey. What do you think about Mississippi State coming off that big win and Arkansas coming off basically two buys? They played Arkansas Pine Bluff, and then had a bye getting ready for this game. Chad, it's interesting that Mississippi State has now beaten three top 25 teams this year. I mean, if you look at your, their record, it might blow your mind for a minute, but they have. Um, and, and, and then you look at the Arkansas side of it, where, yeah, technically I would call it like two buys. You know, you don't have to play much with Pine Bluff. K.J. Jefferson's got to be better this weekend. Their offensive line has to be better. They've got to be able to run the football. He's got to be able to, to make plays down the field. Um, that's a big thing with Arkansas is, the, is kind of widening the field a little bit and hitting those guys down, you know, down the seam. That's something they've been missing for the last three or four games in the SEC. Um, I think from Mississippi State side, you continue what you're doing. You know, Will Rogers had 57 passing attempts against Vanderbilt. You saw how many yards he racked up there. Um, and then you look at this past weekend, 39 passing attempts against Kentucky. They're just going to continue passing the football. And, and until Arkansas comes out this week, weekend and stops it, Mike Leach is going to continue to do it. I think this is a big game for Mississippi State to set up the rest of the season. I think it's even bigger for Arkansas because we saw the way they started with those two wins 
to open the year against Texas, and then they go beat Texas A&M and Dallas. Man, if they, if they drop this game this weekend, that decline from where they started to where they're going to finish, it's going to be pretty disappointing for the folks in Fayetteville. Trey Wallace, Outkick.com is where you can read his work. Uh, great coverage on the Southeastern Conference. Trey, thank you, brother. Always appreciate it. We'll catch up next week with you. Guys, I have a great time in Tuscaloosa. Thanks for having me on. We'll do Thanks. it. Yeah, and it just hit me. Uh, uh, 28 and a half point underdogs, LSU um, against Alabama. How crazy is it that among all the SEC games this week that we preview with Trey, we didn't even get to that game? Well, it's uh, a little preview of my top 10 games. Uh, I only put it in because we're going there. Yeah. Rocket the tailgate. It would not have been in my top 10. Hey, so Bruce Feldman week. is saying really hard. Jimbo Fisher is the target and not going to take no. They're taking a not going to say no for an answer approach until it's it's done. That Jimbo Fisher is is well, first the AD that hired him at A and M is yeah, now the AD to try to hire him again. I, I will. I will. I know that. Yeah. What was it? Mike Tomlin said, "Never say never, but never." never. I would be very disappointed in Jimbo Fisher the way he's treated those questions. Why are we talking about this? I have ranches, plural. I've been given ranches here in, in Texas. I'm not going anywhere. I mean, if he up and took the LSU job after all It'd of be that, worse than I would be out of very disappointed in Jimbo Fisher. Worse that's than not, Saban leaving Miami? I have a hard time believing that's, that's a, speaking a, of, uh, a possibility. Speaking of Nick Saban, uh, we'll be at Innisfree on Saturday morning for actually the place? tailgate. We have uh, assigned Alabama helmet, assigned Alabama jersey from Nick Saban that we're giving away Saturday morning at Innisfree in Tuscaloosa. Hope you'll join us for Outkick the Tailgate. Uh, Coming up, one big thing on every NFL game for Week 9. Right now, we tell you about our trusted partner, Aurora Nutriscience with Outkick 360, helping us keep keep us healthy and and mentally sharp. Aurora delivers supplements where you need them the the, the most, and that's your body. VitaLifeScience.com is the website. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com. This is where you can see more information and our Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360 at VitalLifeScience.com. Typical pills and capsules not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your digestive system breaks these, pill, these pills down if there's little left for your benefit. But here's Aurora, unique cutting-edge nutritional supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, but... There are so many other benefits at VitaLifeScience.com for you to choose from. VitaLifeScience.com, 15% off with the code OUTKICK360, VitaLifeScience.com. Colts hosting the Jets to kick off week nine. That will be tonight for Thursday Night Football. OutKick360 rolls on. Here's at least one thing on every NFL game after tonight's matchup between the Jets and Colts. I got one number on that game. Um, Carter, the running back, targeted 23 times. Crowder, 13 times. This is out of out of the big passing game by the replacement quarterback. Oh, why? Running back centric. 10 more targets than, than the top wide receiver. Crowder's been banged up, too, so his... his- his routes may be limited. He may be on account. And Corey Davis banged up, too. He's got a hip yeah. again. And we know what that hip did to him. Here are uh, the games for Week 9, starting uh, in just the noon kickoffs. Vikings at the Ravens. Uh, Vikings are 3-4. and four. They play their next three games against the 5-2 and two Baltimore Ravens, the 4-3 and three Chargers, and the 7-1 and one Packers, where Aaron Rodgers will be back. 
Lamar Jackson leads the NFL this season in game-winning drives. He has three of those. Uh, and he also leads the league in yards per rush and average yards per completion at 13.3 yards per completion. Lamar Jackson leads the league in that category. And they're nice and rested, right? Coming off, Coming the, off bye. the bye. Bengals hosting the Browns. Bengals lose to the Jets. Now hosting Cleveland, who is also coming off a loss to Pittsburgh. The Browns' defense only allowing 22.5 points per game. Uh, they are getting healthier on offense. The problem is Baker Mayfield's playing through pain with his left shoulder, his non-throwing shoulder. Jack Conklin is right tackle. He's out with an elbow issue now. Cincinnati beat the 5-1 and one Ravens, then turned around and lost to the 1-5 and five Jets. Eager to see what happens in the Battle of Ohio. Panthers and Patriots in Charlotte. Patriots coming up among the 4-4 four and four teams. Have an easy schedule, all things considered, among those 500 teams looking to make a run towards the back end. Um, looking at their schedule over the final nine games, Carolina, Cleveland, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, Miami are included in those nine games. That's not a lot of not a lot of hard work in that. Yeah. They're going the right direction. Miami's drop-offs have really helped them. Carolina, their defense, they've held at least five of their opponents to 21 points or less. So... I would expect this to be a low-scoring game with the rookie quarterback, but New England's been playing well, back-to-back wins, a chance to make it uh, three in a row on Sunday. Jags and Bills, uh, Sean McDermott's Bills, uh, throughout his tenure in Buffalo, they faced a rookie quarterback six times, and those rookie quarterbacks have thrown four touchdown passes to 13 interceptions. Trevor Lawrence this week. Josh Allen versus Josh Allen. I believe oh, yeah. for the first time. I'm not positive it's for the first time. I'd like to see some sacks there just for the wordplay. Cowboys and Broncos at Jerry World. How good is Dallas? They won with Cooper Rush last week. Uh, their backup quarterback making his first start. And he threw for more yards in his first NFL start than he did his first college start. That's how good Dallas is uh, with the weapons around him. Meanwhile, Denver's defense ranks 10th in the league. And then they, their team, their, their front office just traded away Von Miller. So I'm eager to see how that defense now plays on the road in Dallas without Von Miller that and corner, the message that that sends. That corner that uh, Denver traded, the rookie, seventh rounder, hadn't played. They traded a seventh-round corner, got a sixth-round pick back for him. That's the way you, you value your, your draft His pick. name, Kerry Vincent from uh, LSU. Uh, Eagles hosting the Chargers. Can Justin Herbert get back to wheeling and dealing? Because he hasn't been doing that the last two weeks. Uh, and can the Eagles stick with their rushing attack that ran all over the lines last week? Texans and Dolphins. The Dolphins allow 407 yards per game on average. A chance for Houston to pull the upset. What could have been? Texan, excuse me, yeah, Texans on the road. Uh, they've lost seven in a row. Falcons and Saints. Uh, offense, I'm not expecting much in this game. No Jameis for the Saints. Meanwhile, the Falcons, they don't have Calvin Ridley, who's taking a leave of absence. He leads the team with 31 catches for 281 yards and two touchdowns. Giants hosting the Raiders this week. Uh, the Raiders... They've they've struggled in their run game, 29th in the league. They're probably leaning on that some this week with all the distractions going on. They had to recover from the Gruden thing. Now they're recovering from the Ruggs thing. That team has been through a lot. Chiefs and Packers, we know what the Packers are going through. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, they have the toughest closing schedule uh, among those that are battling to get within their, their uh, challenging for the postseason. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, they play Dallas, and then they play their division. 
Cardinals and 49ers in a divisional matchup. Kyler Murray uh, has not practiced this week with that bum ankle that he suffered 10 days ago uh, on Thursday night football uh, by the time game time rolls around, although they're optimistic that he could play without practice. Titans and Rams on Sunday night football. Stafford's five 300-yard passing games leads the league. Derrick Henry out at tailback. Adrian Peterson in. And Bears and Steelers on Monday night football. Pittsburgh on a hot streak. One and three to start. And they're now a game above 500. Meanwhile, the Bears, they've only called nine design runs for their rookie quarterback. I saw that stat this week. That's just bizarre. The thing, though, is Justin Fields still running all over teams, but it's all off design. It's, it's, it's off uh, just making something happen when things break down. It's not designed runs by Matt Nagy. Get back to that. They get, had get that some things one going. good game for him, and it was like they figured it out, and then they just went back to what they were not doing. Sean Weatherspoon about to join us. We'll talk some defense across the league, and then Armando Salguero previews the NFL weekend on OutKick 360.